Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I'm so glad you're with us for this next installment in our series entitled Changing for the Better. How many of y'all want to grow this year and become more spiritual a year from now than you are right now? Raise your hand high if you want to grow. Okay, if you want to grow, I got some stuff for us this morning that will help us grow. But I want to warn you, it's going to challenge us. If you're up for a challenge and you want to grow, you've come to the right place this morning. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Lord, it guides us in how to grow. Lord, I don't want to waste 2018. We got almost all of it still in front of us. And Heavenly Father, I want us to make the most of this year. So challenge us today. Move us off dead center. Show us how we can grow. Some things we can do to cooperate with the changes you want to bring about in our lives this year. I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. And we'll hear whatever you want to say to us today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled, Spiritual Disciplines Will Help Me Change. Point one reminds us of what I just asked us to pray about, and that's this, that God wants me to change for the better this year. And in the margin next to that, you can write, Grow. God wants me to grow. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let's go on instead and become mature in our understanding. That's the writer of Hebrews. Here's Paul in 1 Thessalonians. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Here's Peter in 2 Peter. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't have to go over the basics. We can become mature. Our love will increase and will be more useful for the kingdom if we grow. Sound like a good deal? Okay, let's try that again. Hey, does that sound like a good deal? Yes, okay, of course it does. Now look, I want to grow, so do you. So that brings us to point two. I'm going to change for the better if I choose to adopt some spiritual disciplines. I will, so will you. I got to work at this a little bit. Look, the Holy Spirit is the one who changes me. But I can cooperate. I can, so can you. God's going to do work in my heart. The question is, am I going to make myself available for him to do that work? Paul talked about this. This is not in your outline, but it is on the screen here. This is 1 Timothy 4.8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. If you've taken on a physical training rec- regimen this year to help you get in shape, good for you. You know what's even better? A spiritual regimen. Our bodies aren't going to live forever, no matter how well we take care of them. These bodies aren't meant for eternity. We're going to get brand new ones in heaven. But our souls are going to live forever. And we can train ourselves spiritually on things this year that are going to serve us well forever. And I want to talk with you about some of those disciplines today. Now, here's why this is important. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. Paul, again, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, they'll harvest decay and death, and from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, they'll harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So what Paul tells us here in, this ver- in these couple of verses is this, is if I look at 2018 as a field, if I'm going to grow spiritually, i got to plant the things that are going to help me grow spiritually. If I plant the things that are going to pull me away from the Lord... Well, that's what I'm going to experience too. But the year is in front of us. And I'm going to have to choose what I'm going to plant. Here's Paul again in Romans 6, talking about the same thing. 
Now we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Do not let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Now look, the year is in front of me. As a Christian, when I come to Christ, I'm forgiven of all my sins. I have the hope and the promise of eternal life. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his disciples. The Holy Spirit comes inside of me, and he's working inside of me. And for the first time in my life, when I become a Christian, I don't have to give in to the old ways of sin. Before I came to Christ, I was a slave of sin. When my appetites asked for something, I gave in. I mean, that's the way it is when I'm lost, when you're lost as a sinner. Fish swim, birds fly, sinners sin. But when I come to Christ, the power of sin is broken in my life. I'm not bound to that anymore. I remember when I came to Christ, that was the most startling discovery for me. It's that some of these old habits that used to control me, for the first time in my life, I had the power to say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I mean, some of my old drinking buddies in college were shocked because they'd say, you want to go out and drink with us? And I'd go, no. And they'd go, no. And I'd go, no. And they said, well, you've never said no before. And I said, I know. How do you know? I don't know, okay? I don't know how this is happening. And all of a sudden, I was able to say, no. There were a lot of times when I was out with them, I thought, this is awful, this is horrible, but I, just, I don't have any better place to go. I can't say no. And all of a sudden, I could, because the Holy Spirit was working inside of me, and he gave me different desires. You know, this is the great promise. So the question is, is not are we going to have a year in front of us. The question is, are we going to sow things that please our old sinful desires, or are we going to sow things that please what the Holy, pleases the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do in our lives? The disciplines simply help us to starve the bad things and feed what God wants to do in our lives. This is what Christians have been, this is what Paul is talking about. It's what Christians have been doing for centuries. So I'm going to share with you some very practical things we can do this year to make the most of 2018. But do not be deceived. Paul says, do not be deceived. You can't just leave a field fallow and expect a bumper crop to grow. Well, what'd you put in that field? Oh, nothing. I just thought it would grow all by itself. Mm-mm. You leave it unattended, it's going to grow weeds. And if I put corn seeds in the ground, corn kernels in the ground, pumpkins aren't what's going to come up. Whatever I put in the ground, that's what's going to grow. And so for us as Christians, when we look at the year ahead, it's time to make some decisions now because a year from now, we will have a harvest. We will either be closer to God or we're going to harvest things that are going to pull us away from him and be stumbling blocks for us and trip us up. Where we are right now spiritually is a result of some of the decisions we made last year and the year before that and the year before that. So where do I want to be? If I want to be spiritual, I've got to sow to the things that please the Spirit. Here's how. Point A, first of all, I can choose to adopt some disciplines that will help me say no to sinful desires. There are things I can do that will help me say no. 
There are appetites in my life that I need to say no to. So do you. They've tripped me up long enough. Just like those old drinking buddies I was talking about. I got to say no. I can honestly, so here's one thing I can do. I can honestly evaluate my weaknesses and flee. Run away. I can flee situations that entice me to sin. Now this is going to be important that each of us evaluate this because it's different for each one of us. But if I want to have victory over things in my life, over a, a desire, a sinful desire in my life, I can't put myself on the devil's home turf. Here are a couple of examples. Paul, 1 Corinthians 6.18. Well, these are all from Paul, but 1 Corinthians 6.18. Paul said, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Talked to a fellow not long ago, and he said, you know, I want to get rid of pornography in my life. It's had a hold on me. I want to get rid of it. I go, okay, well, here's what you got to do. Here are some porn blockers you can install on your computer and on your phone. Here's how you get accountable. Here's a small group of guys that meet specifically for that. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not, I'm not that, that serious about this. I go, well, if you're not serious about this, you're not going to whoop it. I got to hate sin. It's keeping me away from what God wants to do in my life. I'm just sowing a little bit of porn and expecting purity to grow. Ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Here's another one. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, O man of God, flee from all this. Run away. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. A fellow came to see me a few years ago, and he said he'd just gotten all wrapped around the axle, been doing a lot of uh, stock trading on his computer, and it just, just as a part-time basis, and he started making some money, figured out some things, and he got pretty good at it. All of a sudden, he spent four hours every night, five hours every night doing this, didn't have time for his kids, didn't have time for his wife. It was ruining his marriage, consuming him. He goes, but I'm making so much money. And I go, well, why are you here talking to me about it? And he goes, because I'm miserable. I feel like I'm hungry for money. And I don't like what it's doing to me. I said, well, why don't you get a professional investor and let them invest it for you. And you go back to loving your wife and spending time with your family and spending time with the Lord. Let a professional handle it. For him, he had to flee one thing. The guy with the pornography had to flee something else. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul again, God's faithful. He won't, allow you, he won't allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so you can stand up, so you can, stand, so you can endure, so you can stand. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols, things that will captivate you. Look, I mean, this just makes sense. It's the parallel spiritually and physically. I mean, if I'm trying to lose weight this year, then, and this is, they're building, where I'm standing now in Prattville, for those of you who are watching on the internet, is that they're building a Krispy Kreme donut shop right over the hill from where I'm standing. And if I'm trying to lose weight this year, and that hot donut light now sign comes on, I need to flee, okay? I need to run. I need to drive right on by. Because if I stop in there and I smell that coffee and those glazed donuts and I see it, okay, you can tell I've been there before, okay? I'm just telling you, I'm in. And I'm, I can't go in there if I'm trying to lose weight. Now, all of us would agree a donut every now and then is not bad, but hey, if I'm trying to really cut down on something, I can't give in to those things. 
Well, why would it be different spiritually? And so the first discipline I need to do is I need to have an honest evaluation of my life and I need to set up barriers. I need to flee things that are dragging me down, that are causing me to sow sin. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Take it that seriously. Deal with it. Now. Because the whole year is in front of us. And if I want to grow, I can't, I can't give in to that. Secondly, here's another discipline. I can intentionally deny my fleshly desires and practice self-control through fasting regularly. Now, I'm only going to give you just a small tidbit on this because we're going to talk about fasting. i got a whole message coming up on this. And last year, Debbie and I spent a lot of time working on prayer and fasting, and I've been reading about this. We've been practicing this. I really don't like to tell you all something that I don't do. <laughs> I hope you think that's a good idea. And I've tried to learn a lot about this, but one of the things that's really struck me, even fasting, like just fasting one day a week, Christians have done this one day a week, or some Christians fast one meal a week even. And one of the reasons why is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. A discipline, I buffet my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And Paul said, I buffet my body. He did not say, I buffet my body, by the way. That's a misinterpretation. Don't read it that way. We're good at that one. This is buffeting my body, saying, hey, I'm going to say no to a desire. I mean, think about this. And a lot of Christians have done this for centuries. They've said, I'm going to fast one day a week. Well, won't you be hungry that day? Yes. But I'm trying to practice self-control over desires that my flesh has. There's nothing wrong with eating. But I want to practice self-control over something simple like food that I'm taking in. Because I need to be able to say no. Remember, this is under the heading of, these are disciplines that help me say no to sinful desires. Well, if I can't even say no to a cheeseburger, I'm going to say no to some bigger temptation. I can't even skip one meal out of 21 and say that I'm the master of my body. I have made it do what I want. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, wouldn't even ordain a man who wouldn't fast at least two days a week. He said the man's too much a lover of his stomach. He doesn't love the Lord as much as he loves his gut. Man, he was tough. But at the same time, that's the whole idea behind it. So a discipline a lot of people have is they fast on a regular basis, just for that. Now there's more to it. Well, there's a lot more to fasting, so I'll explain more to it. But that's one dimension of it that we don't, we don't practice very often in America. We don't deny ourselves very much. And then we wonder why we don't have much self-control. C.S. Lewis said, we make the mistake of thinking that we are bodies that have a soul. In reality, we should think of ourselves as eternal souls that wear a body. And we need to tell our bodies when to step down. I'm an eternal soul committed to the Lord. I'm not going to give in to every desire my flesh has. And it helps me every now and then just to say no even to something simple as a cheeseburger. I want you to think about that. So there's some things I need to say no to. And first of all, we need to evaluate ourselves and figure out what things we need to run away from, what company we don't need to keep, 
then we can institute something simple like fasting. There's more, but I want to get to point B if you flip your outline over. So I want to spend the rest of our time on this. I can say no to some things that, will help, that would make me so to the flesh and to sinful desires, and I want to say yes to the things that help me obey the Holy Spirit's desires. And this is where I'd like to spend our time. Our worship leader here, Shelly Green, a couple of weeks ago said that she didn't worry about having to say no to a whole bunch of men in her life once she said yes to Tommy Green, her husband. The big yes, well, Tommy gave me an amen, yeah. Thank you, Tommy. That's good. I like that. <laughs> but the truth is, that's the way it works. When I said yes to Debbie, it automatically means no to all, all, all other women. And if somebody said, hey, are you evaluating this woman there? No. I already made up my mind when I put the ring on 31 years ago. That's done. This is the big yes. What if I did that for the rest of this year? I said, hey, I'm going to sow the things for righteousness here. The reason I'm saying no to some of these things and making that decision right now is I want a bumper crop. Why would I waste my time and my energy doing these things that I know are going to trip me up, have only caused me pain and sorrow in the past? No. So I can say yes to what Jesus wants to do in my life, what God wants to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit is the one who changes us. This is how I cooperate. Now, Luke 11. When an evil spirit leaves a person, you'll see Jesus was talking to uh, the Pharisees about this. These were people who practiced spiritual disciplines. They were expert at saying no to almost everything, but they never said yes to what God was trying to do in their lives. And Jesus said, here's what it's like with talking to you guys. He said, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest, but when it finds none, it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that former home is all swept and in order, and then the spirit finds seven other spirits, more evil than itself. They all enter the person that lives there. And so the person is worse off than before. I mean, the parallel to this is somebody who does a fad diet and they lose all this weight, but they never ever have changed their thinking about food and the way they want to eat and right nutrition or things. So they took off the weight and then they went to the prom or they went to the class reunion or whatever the event was that they were trying to lose weight for. And then after that, they end up gaining 10 or 15 pounds more than when they started. And we've seen people like this. Because they didn't, they lost the weight, but they didn't fill themselves with a right understanding of nutrition and exercise. And Jesus says, you Pharisees, these Pharisees had rules about you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. And he says, but you're not even listening to what God wants you to do. And that's why they didn't recognize Jesus. They didn't recognize the Son of God standing right in front of them. Paul put it this way in Galatians 5.16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And this is why this is so important. When I say yes to what God wants me to do, I'm not just saying no to things. I'm saying yes to filling my life with God's Spirit. And so here are five things that can help us do that. First of all, I can schedule time to meditate, to meditate on Scripture every day. David, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. David said, look, I'm not going to go and spend time walking in the counsel of the wicked or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of mockers. 
I'm not going to do those things. What he's talking about is what I was mentioning before. Look, the year is in front of us. It's like a field. I am going to make decisions this year. But if I'm only listening to the advice I get on television, I'm only listening to my own selfish appetites, I'm giving in to the temptations of the devil, well, I'm going to make wrong decisions. So how am I going to know the right decisions? Where am I going to get good input? Well, let me tell you, this is how it's worked out in my life over and over again. When I meditate on the Bible, God gives me direction. He will you too. Now look, this is not some magic bullet, the Bible. I'm not talking about that. It's truth. And so even though I live in a world where there's all kinds of temptations for me to do evil, even though I have a body that is always desiring things for itself, even though there is a devil out there tempting me, I don't have to give in when I'm armed with the truth. But I want to tell you a secret. In order for me to get God's word into my head and into my heart, I have to spend time reading it and meditating on it. I don't want to disappoint you. If you I, I mean, I hope this doesn't disappoint you for me to tell you that if you sleep on this under your pillow, it won't soak through by osmosis. Having a big Bible on the coffee table, that's fine if you want to have it for a decoration, but that doesn't mean that the truth of the word is going to get into my heart and into my head. I've got to read it, meditate on it, tumble it around over and over again. And I want to tell you, because I've done that in my life, God has opened up amazing things in my mind. He's changed completely the way I think. And he will for you too. And if that's good news this morning, would you say amen? amen? Okay, but you're going to have to set up time. You've got to schedule time. This needs to be every day. Sowing a little bit of the seed every day. If you and I do, we'll harvest a crop of righteousness. The word says so. Like streams of water. Like a tree planted by streams of water. Yielding fruit. i got to do it. Second thing, I can schedule time to pray every day. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen. I'll pray as long as I have breath. My heart has heard you say, that was Psalm 116. Here's Psalm 27. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Okay, so I want to grow spiritually. We all said that at the beginning of this message. Well, then why would we mess around with things that trip us up? Okay, we're not going to do that. So we'll say no to those things. Well, what are we saying yes to? I'm saying, yes, Lord, I want to read your word so I understand what you've told your people in the past. And Lord, I'm going to talk to you myself every day. I want to lay my burdens down to you. I want to sit in silence and listen to what you're working on in my heart. I want you to speak to me. That means I'm going to have to set up time when the TV's off, when the phone's off, and I can listen. It will not happen by accident. And life is coming. Decisions are coming. Hardships are coming. Opportunities are coming. Should I follow them or not? Where will I get counsel? Why wouldn't I ask the God of the universe? Through Christ, I have wide open access. And the discipline is, will I take time each day to access that? Three. Here's a third one. I can meet with a small group of Christian friends weekly. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It's not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. 
especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10. Uh, a number of our folks went to a workshop on small groups at Andy Stanley's church a few years ago. And one of the neat things they came back with, which I thought was such an interesting way of putting this, was they said, you know, if we want to grow spiritually, spiritual gro- growth happens more effectively in circles than it does in rows. Right now, as I'm standing here in front of you, we're all sitting in rows. This is a lecture format, and it's one way to hear God's Word. But if you and I are actually going to process God's Word and interact with God's Word and ask questions about God's Word and hold other people accountable to putting God's Word into action, and if I'm going to get accountability in my life, somewhere along the line, I need to get in a small circle. So do you. So do you. Think of ways to motivate each other, encourage each other. Come on. I can't do that one on 700. You can't either. My goodness. In a small group, we call them connect groups here, it's amazing what can happen. I had somebody um, talk to me just recently. I said, well, I'm not sure if I understand the connect group. I went to the connect group, and we talked about what you talked about on Sunday morning, and I'd already heard that. Why did I need to hear it again? I said, well, you didn't need to hear it again. You need to talk about how you're supposed to apply it now. I went, oh. I mean, how to encourage each other to do it. How to motivate each other. Motivate, encourage. I'd love it if you'd heard it already. Now you know what we're talking about. So what are you going to do about it? Please, if you've never been a part of a small group, please be a part of one. By the way, on the scripture one next to that meditate one, write Bible.com in the margin. If you want a Bible reading plan, devotional guides, all kinds, it's all free. Bible.com. If you don't know how to use it, call one of us, email us, we'll show you how to use it. It's amazing. Fourth discipline. I can gather with other Christians for worship, to worship God weekly. Now look, I know we need to worship God in our homes. It's all true. But my friends, and we can worship God in those small groups too, but one of the reasons we gather for worship here on Sunday mornings is so that we can encourage each other through even the praises. I mean, my goodness, when we sing praises to God, oh, to overcome depression, to overcome fear, to overcome worry and stress, to remind ourselves of truth, that God is bigger than any problems I face. God did forgive all of my sins. And I don't need the devil accusing me of stuff anymore and saying I'm not forgiven. God will show me the right direction to go with the decisions I face this this week. God forgave me. He'll give me the power to forgive others who've hurt me. I mean, think of all these things that we're reminded of when we sing how great God is. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He lives forever forever. He's in me, and he loves me. That's why we sing. And the songs remind us of this, and it lifts our hearts up. But we're going to miss out on all that encouragement, all that truth, all that joy if we're not here. Shout with joy to the Lord, Psalm 100, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledging that the Lord is God, He made us, we're His. We're His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Praise His name. For the Lord is good. 
His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. We're supposed to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We're talking about the temple. How good it is to come to the Lord and praise him together. I mean, what if that was a, I mean, that's a discipline to say, hey, I'm going to be here every week. I need this. I want to focus on Jesus. I don't want to give in to the things that made me worry. I mean, it was one of these things again where recently somebody talked to me and they were just so worried and bound up with fear. And I said, what are you doing? How do you live? What do you do every evening? They said, well, I watch cable news every night. And I said, well, hey, let me give you an experiment. For the next two weeks, turn off your television every night and read the Bible instead. And a couple of those nights, put on some Christian music and sing along. They came back over a couple of weeks and said, I mean, it's made a total difference in my life. I mean, they were bound up in fear because it's like I said, the world is going to send its messages. Messages of fear. Messages of worry. They're all coming this year. And it's an illusion to think that we can just leave the field fallow. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to be in a small group. I don't need to pray. I don't need to worship. I'm good. Oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. There's one more. I can volunteer to serve others regularly. It's how I build up spiritual muscle. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. If you've never read this in Isaiah 58, the context is people are fasting, but they never put their faith into practice. The Lord, uh, prophet Isaiah here, speaking to them. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out in the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you're dry, restoring your health. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an overflowing spring. I talk to people here who help with homeless folks, uh, in reality and truth in Montgomery. And I talked to one of them recently. I said, hey, why do you do that? I mean, thanks for doing that. I, I mean, but what do you get out of it? They go, what do I get out of it? Every time I go, I feel like God uses me. I get more out of it than they do. I talked to somebody recently driving meals on wheels, delivering meals to shut-ins. Why do you do it? I said, I feel like God wanted me to do it. And there's a great joy that fills my heart as I do this. It's like I'm being watered like a garden when I was dry. I felt all dry and stuffy before, and now I feel like my faith is alive. What's God calling you to do? What about me? I mean, these are simple disciplines. And if I choose to do them, then a year from now, think of where I'd be. Meditating on God's word. Praying for wisdom and direction. Singing his praises. Even in the dark times. Serving others and putting my faith to work. I mean, think about where I'd be a year from now. This is what God wants us to think. There's one warning I want to throw in here. Spiritual disciplines practiced for the wrong motives are spiritually deadly. Jesus, Matthew 6. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. You'll lose a reward from your Father in heaven. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. They, like, they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. Not for show, not to prove I'm more spiritual than you. I'm saying yes to these disciplines 
so I can cooperate with what God wants me to do in my life. Quick story. Fifty years before the Declaration of Independence was signed, at Oxford, Charles Wesley, the brother of John Wesley, the guy who started the Methodist movement, was a student there, and he wasn't doing very well in school. Couldn't keep focused very well, so he got a small group together, and they'd study together, do homework together, discuss literature and things, but then they realized this was a spiritual problem. And so he called his brother, John Wesley, we didn't call him, he would have written him, okay, anyway. <laughs> he contacted uh, his brother, John, and said, John, I need your help. I don't know what to do here. So John Wesley started meeting with his small group, and he said, well, you don't practice your faith. Here are a few methods that you can use. Reading your Bible, praying, turning your small group into an accountability thing, serving, giving to the poor, and then being a Christian witness during the week, plus a couple of other things. They started doing this every week. Their lives began to change radically. Everybody on the campus noticed. Some people even made fun of them. They were turning into Jesus freaks. These guys sit in their little holy club, and so they liked it. They took the name. They were the holy club because they were pursuing holiness through a couple of methods. And they would start other groups, and then other people started to join. And they said, oh, you and your methods, you're just a bunch of Methodists. And they went, yeah, that's a good name. We'll take that too. That's how the Methodist church got started. It was just a movement of college kids who said, it's not enough for me to go through the motions. I want to cooperate with whatever God has in my life. I don't want to just say no to bad things. I want to say yes to the good things. The scripture commands us to read his word. I'm going to read his word. The scripture commands me to worship him. I'm going to worship him. The scripture commands me to pray. I'm going to pray. The scripture commands me to serve others. I'm going to serve others. And then I'll be filled with God's Holy Spirit. They called it the means of grace. These were the means by which God would fill their lives with his grace and his goodness. Other people have called them spiritual disciplines. Call them whatever you want. The only question is, Am I going to do this this year and sow good seed? Because that's what's going to grow. Or am I just going to sit this one out, realizing then that I'm going to give in to desires eventually and sow bad seed? That's the choice before us today. Let's choose to grow. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you that we can change for the better. You have wired us this way. You have stirred within us. Some of us, as we heard this today, we're going, I cannot believe he's talking about this today. This is exactly what I need to hear. And Father, I pray that you have quickened our pulse. I pray that you have reminded us of this. And I pray, oh Father, that we would listen and obey. If the Lord spoke to you about something in your life, something in your life that needs to change, would you say, Lord, I hear you. I've heard you and I'm coming. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. We thank you that you are challenging us to grow. We want to be a wide open field. We want you to have an abundant harvest through us. We want to bear lots of fruit this year. In the name of Christ we pray.